Welcome to the XYZ Experiment podcast. Today we are introducing a new member of our podcast squad. Hi, Luke. Hello. How's it going? Good. Um, and we also have today in our conversation Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Hello. Welcome, Luke. Welcome. Thank you. And we also have Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. So excited, Luke, that you have your first episode and we thought this would be a good episode to get to know you a little bit. Mm. And so we're putting you almost in the guest chair today, even though you will be a regular on this podcast. And so we ask all of our guests what generation they are. So Luke, what gen do you belong to? So I was born in the year 1998, which makes me Gen Z. Wow. Gen Z. Gen Z. I was 29 when he was born. I could be your mum. <laughs> 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 This is the guess, best thing about these conversations. I'm going to learn a lot. You're I'm going to learn, learn a lot, lot from Luke. Yeah. And Luke, what is the most Gen Z thing about you? Most Gen Z thing about me is that I actually grew up and still to this day grew up not watching TV. I almost exclusively just watch YouTube for entertainment. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you my goodness. Mind blowing. <laughs> I never thought about that. I didn't even realise that's a... Thing. So as it in you thing. would watch that on your, I mean, as in that they just don't watch TV at all. Yeah. So, so do you watch iPad? like YouTube oh. on your TV or just on your phone? No, I almost never use a TV at all unless maybe I'm playing like video games. But growing up, like we use the term like digital native for people that kind of grew up with connected, I guess. I wouldn't say that I started out from inception connected, but from about 12, 13, um, I got access to like the internet and my mum's like old laptop. And from there, I started using the internet, not in just like a way to like search for information, but for like entertainment and connecting with people. And from that point onwards, I just use YouTube as like my primary form of content. And it's been like that ever since. So, it, so what do you watch on YouTube? It, it varies. It changes. And just to add to that as well, even though our generation's kind of linked with streaming platforms like Netflix, I still don't really watch TV shows. A lot of the time I am just watching YouTube. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with my sister about this the other day because she's actually a couple years younger than me, which makes it a bit funny. But I was like trying to find a way of downloading YouTube videos on my phone for the plane ride. And my sister, because I'm going on a trip in a couple of days and my sister was like, why don't you just download a bunch of Netflix episodes? I was like, I don't want to watch Netflix. I want to watch YouTube. Oh, my God. So do you, on the YouTube, do you do the free stuff or do you subscribe? I just do the free stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And invest in Sorry, the Sorry, Fiona, blocker. can I just laugh about how you said on the YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> on the YouTube. On the YouTube. On the YouTube. It's my generation. There you go. <laughs> okay. Can I just ask a question around that on the computer? Are you in your bedroom? I am, yes. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be a big thing, I think. People are on their beds or they've got it set up. So you're sitting pretty close to it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. sometimes even on my lap if I'm in Headphones my on? I am a headphones out type of person. Okay, yeah, oh. okay, yeah. So if they're not shows or are they shows, like I don't understand what content <laughs> you could entertain yourself with enough. So it's, it really varies there's things like Let's Plays. I don't know if you've heard of those, which are like where people sit down and, I know this is very meta, they sit down and play video games and like 
communicate with people while they're playing video games. So sometimes I'll watch that. Video essays, that's a huge thing on YouTube at the moment, which are these like 30-minute videos where they'll just discuss any any topic, whether it's film or books or things like that. Wow. And, and people have... There's a lot of production value now in YouTube videos as well. It's not just about kind of like short-form content. People like invest in sets and do different things, different forms of entertainment. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. huge. It's huge, Dash. Huge. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. Massive. So do you guys My nephew does it. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you guys also watch the YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more TikTok. Your TikTok. Yeah. Sarah? Uh I I I guess use YouTube in a old school way. Just for certain like if I need to uh learn how to do something. Or watch a demo of how to do, like I was trying to work out how to do an Excel spreadsheet formula the other day. It's true, I'll do that. And I watched a YouTube yeah. video on it, or I wanted to watch um, Kylie Minogue's new uh, video clip yeah. for her latest single, so I jump on YouTube and watch it, right? So I feel like that's the old school, just what we used to use YouTube for. It's true, I'll use YouTube for information. Quite often, if I think, oh, how do I do that? I'll look it up on YouTube. Yeah. Or watch a video exactly like what um, Sarah just said, the same. Do you, do you use YouTube at all? I do, but it's like Sarah said, I'm watching video clips because, you know, that used to be on a TV show now. I don't mm. think they exist anymore. Um, so I'm watching video clips or concerts or um, I'm watching tiny house tours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I used to watch Say Yes to the Dress on YouTube. So I'm still watching shows though that just happened to us uh, anyway. Can so I... my mind is blown by there's all this whole content on YouTube that mm. I had no idea about. Can I ask a question? Because as a Gen X, and I think this is a very Gen X thing, I love the news and I like to really keep up to date with it. And like for years, I read the paper, like delivered to my house for years and years and years. Now I read it online. How do you keep up with the news? YouTube. Okay. But okay. just any social media platform at the moment, just because of how quick everything is, the way you can transfer information, the news is almost on a delay. Yeah. Th- there are times where I'll have conversations with my dad where he'll see something on the news and he'll tell me, did you know about this, this and this? And I'll be like, that's actually from like three, days four ago. days ago. Yeah. 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 Or like these co- concepts, like things like AI, for example, he loves watching something about AI and being like, have you seen this before? And it's like, that's actually six months old now. Yeah, so you're really keeping very, very up the front there. Okay. So what social media then are you on? It's funny you should say that. <laughs> I actually kind of actively am not on that much social media anymore. Mm. Even with YouTube, I say that it's my primary form of, of content, but I actually have like a, a blocker on my YouTube, on oh. my desktop at home. So what it means is that because you, you subscribe to YouTube channels. Mm. All the channels that I've subscribed to, I still have like a little sidebar with them on that I can access their content. And there's still the search, search function. So I can type up and find things that I need consciously. But in terms of like, there's a discover feed that happens when you first open up YouTube, which is just recommended videos. Yeah. That's blocked now for me. Wow. So I can't go down like the rabbit hole of just, you know, content that's parallel to my interests, but not actually you know, contributing to anything. Okay. And why was that important for you? I, I did the same. So I actually deleted, like, 
I have no social media apps on my phone at all. Yeah. And I think part of it was social media is really, really amazing. There's so many awesome things you can do with it. Connecting with people, connecting with communities, niche interests that maybe you don't have people around you that share. But I think there's also a level of kind of digital labor that mm. comes with using social media. You'll, you'll see people that would talk about, I've just spent six hours on Facebook and I feel really bad because I wasn't productive or I wasn't doing something that was actually of value. But there's also still like this level of exhaustion that people feel after a long stint on social media. And the reason for that is you are still kind of working. Yeah. You're just working for the social media platform because you're providing them with content. You're providing them with data that they can then use to target ads, to drum up interest in the platform, whatever it may be. And I was finding that I was kind of working for social media as opposed for it, as opposed to it, sorry, working for me. So I deleted the actual Facebook app. So I've just got the messenger app, which is why I predominantly want to be using Facebook is to communicate with people and yeah, deleted TikTok, deleted Instagram. And you told us about deleting TikTok and the story behind that. Yes. So there was that overarching thing of not wanting to just be kind of making kind of profit for like social media platforms with my behaviors and whatnot. But also, yeah, there was a particular TikTok that made me go, okay, I'm going to take a break from TikTok. I never really felt like going back, which this isn't necessarily representative of a generation. I think it's more representative of how social media platforms want you to interact on their platform and also maybe even a, a maturity thing. Mm. Um, but I found there was this one particular TikTok I saw, and this was during the height of like the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West's breakup. And Kanye West, I'm not even very like aware of the specifics around it, but he basically put out a music video where the then boyfriend of Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, was getting, was it buried alive? Yeah. Mm. And I saw someone made a TikTok about it basically saying, you know, I feel for Kim because of like Kanye's bad behaviors, but has she put out this many good albums? And it was a picture of him holding up like every album that Kanye had made, which... So justifying it. Just justifying it through success yeah. in other means, which is just really unacceptable. And I was just finding that I was getting more and more of that content on, on my account. And I wasn't sure if that was just a general level of maturity that was just present on TikTok or whether or not it was just the way in which you are intended, like they want you to respond on TikTok, which is just knee-jerk reactions. They want you to instantly appraise information, to like it if you like it, write something if you don't. And that tends to be things that aren't very well thought out. Mm. And so I was just kind of like, I don't really want to be in this environment where I'm thinking like this. And I was getting news from TikTok as well and reading comments on those TikToks as well. And Again, a lot of knee-jerk reactions to the way things are being responded to. And I was, I was worried that I was starting to get into that habit myself. And when I'd be talking to people outside and having communications, I found myself being quite dismissive at times of not only ideas I didn't agree with, but just ideas generally. And I was like, hang on, that was actually not really productive what I just did there. And it's not very, it's not pro-social either. You're not learning anything from being like that. And so I thought, I'll just take a step back from this and... Yeah, that was six, seven months ago, and I haven't really felt the interest or, like, the desire to go back. Can I add something to that, just while you're talking and about how it's shaping your views and all that? So, you know, there's um, the voice to parliament, the yeah. voice, right? 
So I, I have an opinion where I want to go with my vote, right? But watching a lot of the social media, a certain side of that campaign is doing a lot better job in their campaign. And I found myself changing my mind a little bit. And then I was thinking, no, 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 you've just watched way too many videos the other way. It's not been a healthy balance Wow. for you. Like it was a mm. real thought in my head. And then I thought, oh, my God, if I can have that thought, what about? I mean, the average person is smart as me, but like, this is happening. This yeah. is happening. You know, yeah. this is really changing people's. I know exactly what you're talking views. about. Yeah. 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 Like, I think one side is very unified, overarching in their, their yeah. idea, and another side is floundering. It's, it's mixed. Yeah. And the side that's unified is using that um, lack of unity. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's incredible. It's just to, and I was thinking, oh, I've been watching too much too many TikToks on that topic. You know what I mean? I need to go back and be a bit more balanced in my view again and just re-examine where I was at to start with. It's the first time I've ever thought about, wow, this social media is pretty powerful and how it can change your views. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, one of the things I've had to reflect on um, is, you know, what is the metaverse? And we might have a conversation with some of our friends who are very well versed in the metaverse and I had to write down a definition for it and um, struggled absolutely struggled and I said in my definition something along the lines of it is the reality that we are playing and another reality that we are living and breathing and playing in but often unintentionally and unconsciously and it does then impact as you were saying the behaviors that we then bring into our current realities and that thing that you were just talking about in terms of the reactivity that you then were noticing that was happening in the social media world then coming into your real world that's a really interesting reflection because I do think that happens to a lot of us and we're not conscious of it we're not conscious and I am on social media still but I don't often read comments because I find comments really distressing but part of me is like, oh, wow, like this is this is interesting, the narratives that are happening and how it makes us feel and make sense of the world. Which, again, is why I've deleted all social media and just using it for its intended purpose for me, which was just to message people. <laughs> <laughs> and how to learn. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I might go back and just ask a few more questions yeah. just so people sure. can get to know you. So, Luke, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? I work as a research assistant at Monash University. I work alongside Dash. Um, my studies brought me there. I was studying psychology at university. I majored in psychology and minored in philosophy. I ended up really, really enjoying psychology. I was kind of tossing up towards my final year of my undergrad, if that's what I wanted to do. I, I'm also very interested in literature and writing. Yeah. And I wasn't really confident I was actually to be completely transparent I wasn't super confident I was going to get the marks to pursue psychology and I had been offered a master's course in publishing oh wow and I basically had to try and figure out whether or not that was something I wanted to do or not and it was a huge huge toss-up and then I ended up breaking my hand which delayed my exams because it was like two months before my exams which then delayed my graduation which meant that I then missed off missed the cutoff date for that next round of honours years 
Wow. And I was like, cool, I'm going to spend six months in Europe and then <laughs> I'll get back to you guys. And so then I went to Europe and then I was there for a couple months and then something happened in 2020 that brought me back. <laughs> and then by the time things settled down, I was like, no, you know, I think maybe the reason I was questioning it was because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it, but I really am passionate about psychology. I really want to go into this field. And so then I continued pursuing it. I ended up doing my honors and now I'm here. Mm. Um, and so when you were choosing your degree as a young person, you just talked about how you're passionate about psychology. Did you know that, like going through high school, that you were interested in psychology? Yeah, I'm super, super fortunate that I was someone that had an interest in something that was one-to-one -one with like an academic subject. Okay. So I studied psych in high school and I realized that was something I wanted to pursue in, in one way or another, which is very fortunate because some people, what they're interested in doesn't necessarily line up with something like that. Um, I did my undergrad through a Bachelor of Arts. Mm. That was just because I dropped maths in high school and I couldn't do it through science. But doing arts was amazing as well because it allowed me to do a bunch of other subjects like philosophy, which I think was really, really important. I think psych is very research-based, yeah, which is totally fine. I can totally understand why. Um, I worked as a crisis support worker as well prior to my work as a researcher, so I understand how evidence-based practice is really essential. But I think for a lot of psych students, it, it would really help having subjects like philosophy or literature, more creative, thinking differently, um, strengthening communication. I think that's really, really important as well. So I'm really glad I did it through an art stream. I didn't know there was a difference. I didn't know, but it makes sense what mm. you're saying. Like, yeah. I can absolutely see how they align. The, there was one subject that I did. It, it was a psych subject and it was about cognitive psychology. And we'd spent the entire time learning about how we visually process information how it then goes to our brain and everyone was totally cool with it it was everything was you know whatever and then we found out that our final assignment was to describe a sunset just describe a sunset and a lot of people that not to typecast but there were quite a few people that i knew that were coming through the science stream that really panicked and struggled with the idea of so i'm i'm literally just describing a sunset like what do you like, do I talk about what happens in my body when that happens? No, 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 you're just describing the experience of seeing a sunset. Wow. And so, I th yeah, I was very, very fortunate that I went through. I felt like I got a more holistic outlook, which I think is really important for practice as well. So, yeah. It's making me smile because with a science person, you can just imagine they probably come at it really mathematically. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's 6.45. This is like the science behind why the sun rises, why the sun sets. <laughs> that yeah. makes me feel happy. <laughs> they were really clinging to that rubric. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And But it is a really interesting um, thing that I often think about is, the chance to do things like travel when you're young and the chance to study subjects that may not go anywhere. Like they don't necessarily lead to anything, but they broaden your thinking or they make you think in a different way. And um, I feel like universities are better and, you know, even like TAFEs and other ways of studying do that now a bit more. Whereas in beforehand, like for our generations, you studied for a job, like you did it to get into a particular job and it was very much what that job needed from a skill set perspective. 
Mm. Um, so it's kind of nice that it's changing. I think psychology to an extent, I mean, you can apply it to everything. I think that one was definitely more probably occupation focused, mm. but philosophy, I definitely wasn't intending on going into academia. So it was really just an amazing opportunity every year to learn about different ways of thinking and, um, incorporating that into every aspect of life because things like psychology and philosophy they are everywhere it's it's part of everything so that was really cool i just feel like you've probably learnt um at university life some life lessons that took me 10 years to learn in living life you know what I mean? like mm. it's, it's i think it's great to be honest. It's tough to say because I think that it probably is the integration of technology as well and the information and insight you get from that as well, which it all kind of marries with university being a little bit more diverse in the subjects they offer as well. Mm. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, Luke, what is something that you are excited about? Something that I'm looking forward to. I I feel like with psychology specifically, it's – kind of a subject where until you kind of are in your masters you can't really practice mm. like as a student there aren't really any psych related jobs unless maybe you're a receptionist for like a a clinic there mm. aren't too many jobs you can do without a qualification and then even after you've got an undergrad really it's kind of support work is the predominant kind of occupation you go into and so I'm at a point now where I'm kind of I've got my foot into the kind of the industry now. Yeah. Working in research, having that crisis support work done. And it's it's really exciting. So I'm really f- excited about going into this this industry and feeling like I'm now actually contributing to it and being a part of it. Because I think that there's a lot, a lot of things that need to be refined and looked at. Mm. And I'm so, so passionate about this industry that I'm really excited that I get to potentially be a part of that and contribute to that. I really love that because I, I do think that the system of psychology and mental health in Australia needs to be disrupted a little bit. And so um, having people come in with a new way of thinking about it might, like that might change the way it's delivered, mm. it's practised, it's thought about. Even the way that it's it's taught and the structure behind it mm. um, and even like applying for things like masters, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm currently getting my application ready for a master of clinical psychology and it has been... A very, very interesting process. And I guess for our listeners, psychology, the psychology pathway is one of the most competitive pathways. Um, I didn't know Which that. is weird considering how, mu- how many psychologists we actually need. Like we have a shortage of psychologists. It's easier to get into medicine than it is to get into psychology. No. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. When did, it, when did that? Um, it's probably been the last been couple, decade or so. It's become a yeah. very competitive. So it's something like the undergrad psychology will have like hundreds and hundreds of students. Can you remember how many were in your cohort? Oh, it would have been, yeah, probably like, I think it's even more, to be honest. It's like a thousand? Yeah, maybe 900. 900 students. Then the number of places for honours is like ridiculously low. And the number of places for a clinical psycho- uh, master's is lower again. So I think, um, yeah, it's like something like they take 60 students out of the 900, 900 for honours. Wow. No, it goes back to what you said earlier about I wasn't sure if I'd have the grades. Now I understand where that comment's come from. Yeah. yeah. And what is something that you are, I guess, worried about or concerned about as a Gen Z 
It's a good question. It's it's funny because I feel like the way in which information is presented, I feel like just generally we're all very perpetually worried, aren't we? Like yeah. there's always just something that's happening, particularly for um, Gen Z and going back to s- social media as well and, and engagement and how they structure content around engaging with people. I feel like a lot of the time what they present is very emotionally polarizing and very wired. Mm. And so there's kind of like the overarching worries that someone in my position, in my state, in my country might be concerned about things like housing and inflation. But I think generally speaking on the day to day, there's always something that's being presented on social media to, to be worried about and to kind of invest energy into spreading or supporting I think that's true. Like sometimes when I see young people worrying about things like the housing crisis is a really good example. I never thought about that when I was, I bought my first house at 22, you know, and just was normal back then. Just, you just could. Yeah. And there was none of this, can I afford it or not afford it? I know that sounds crazy, but everybody, and everybody bought a house. We're all at different income levels. We just never worried about these things that you hear today. We just never did because I, I don't. It was an easier world. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely has changed in a short amount of time. But I, I totally also um, agree with what you were saying in terms of social media and what comes in. Like, so for example, like I was at a jazz concert on um, Friday night, and on social media it came up. And, you know, this is the thing. I shouldn't be checking social media while I'm at a concert, right? Yeah. I should not you be should doing not. it. It should be in it. your bag. should yeah. be in my bag. I should have been present. Yeah. But there, it came up all over our social media feeds that there was a potential terrorist attack in the city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because of a car accident yeah. that had happened. They weren't sure. And, like, I could just feel my anxiety because I'm in the city. I could feel my anxiety just go through the roof mm. and, like, then all of the commentary that was happening like is this like similar to what happened with the Burke Street thing and I was like wowzers um so it is a very an emotionally chat whereas in when as soon as I went and read it on the the age it was presented in a much more calm way but the way it was presented in social media in was that moment in that moment with like video footage mm. that people had taken was not calm mm. Do you know, I just going back to what you've said, Luke, like I'm think I'm reflecting and my twenties and thirties were just so carefree, like just really carefree. Is it that way for you or not really? Not really, no. no. I think I think that's for a couple of reasons though. I think going back to psychology as well, I feel like whether or not it's kind of actually in my head or it's something that's kind of expected of you. I feel like as a, as a, you know, prospective psychologist, you kind of have to have your stuff sorted Mm. at a pretty early age. They kind of, whether it's because of the workload as a student, it's the work you have to do while you're working up to becoming a psychologist, or even when you become a registered psychologist, I feel like you have to have like a level of stability that doesn't always allow for carefreeness, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think as well being on – everything being on social media as well, I think also adds a level of like fear and concern of like 
Is this going to be captured on social media? What does this say about me? What does this reflect about me? Even coming onto this podcast, I think it's such an amazing opportunity and I'm, I'm so happy and excited to get to do it. But there was still that concern of, well, what happens if I phrase something even slightly in the way that I didn't want it to come out? And that is something that's like there forever. Yeah. So I'm trying to get more into the habit of being more carefree because I turned 25 this, this year, which I know yeah. for other people does not mean as much. And even for me, it wasn't that big of a deal but I was reflecting on it and I was really, really happy with what I had done up to this point. And I was talking to my sister and I was just like kind of listing all of my achievements, not to flex, but just as like more, just like to validate myself that I'd, I've been doing things. And she said, yeah, that's great. And now it's time to have fun. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, whoa, that was a very. And she's younger than you, right? Yeah. So she's 23. So she's a couple years younger than me. And I was like, whoa, that's such mm. a. That, I don't know if she expected to hit me as hard as it did, but I was like, wow, you're right. You're lucky you heard that. You yeah, definitely. I mean? Exactly. Oh, yeah. I think that's great advice, Sid. Yeah, and so now I'm going to Japan in a couple of days. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> that is like the best fun switch off. Don't take yeah. social media with you. <laughs> he won't. He won't. <laughs> don't need to worry about that. He no. won't. <laughs> but that is such good advice. Have fun. Life is intense. Life is intense. Hi, it's Sarah. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us here at the XYZ Experiment podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. And if you enjoyed our show, make sure you tell all your friends and family and, of course, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment. You'll get all our latest updates and news. And a big shout out to Luke Champion, who composed our original music. 